When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome back, witches and wizards, to another episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, followed by my two co-hosts, Nina Kitty and Courier7. How you guys doing today? Pretty great. Pretty great. Doing pretty good. Awesome. So, last week we talked about brooms and broomsticks. So, obviously, this week we have to talk about the most famous sport in the wizarding world which deals with brooms lo and behold and granted if you've seen the films if you played the games you know what i'm talking about we are going to be talking about quidditch today and it is going to be a two-parter episode so this is part one of the quidditch uh episodes there is surprisingly a lot of info on quidditch and that's also i mean it's surprising and not surprising because you can actually go out and buy Quidditch through the ages and just read an entire book on just Quidditch. I may or may not have a copy right next to me. So, <laughs> As long as we're not going to read the book today, I'm on board. <laughs> no, we're not reading the book today. It's basically a summed up of in the book. There. The book does so much more detail than what we're going to talk about today. Hmm. But... And if you, if anybody hasn't seen yet, there is a new Harry Potter mobile game coming out called Harry Potter Magic Awakened, which if you like CCG games, so card card based games, it's going to be an MMO style card based combat game. You create your own Witcher Wizard. It's a very interesting art style that they're going with the game. Um, you create your own Witcher Wizard during Harry's time. And follow through a story with those, um, with the films and the books, I guess. That's what I'm assuming. But uh, they have, if you want to go onto the website, you can just go to Google and type in Harry Potter uh, Magic Awakened to go to the official website and sign up or pre-register or whatnot. Uh, they have some milestones you can complete to get bonus rewards once the game goes live. They already hit, I think, like... Six of the ten or seven of the ten they have so far that they've shown. 
And the first one they hit, you get a Niffler and a baby or er, rich bag, uh, rich bag as cards to use in the game for combat. Ooh. So you get like baby Ooh. Norbert and a Niffler for cards, I guess. I, I don't know what they'll do, but who knows? But anyway, mm-hmm. enough about card games. We are now getting into Quidditch, which is a ball sport. So, obviously, Quidditch, formerly known as Quidditch, and Quidditch, uh, which was a wizarding sport played in the flying broomsticks, is the most popular and well-known game among wizards and witches, and according to Rias Hagrid, the wizard equivalent to Muggle's passion for football. And by football, I mean soccer, because this is set in England. <laughs> so... Any, you know, anybody listening to the U.S., this is soccer, not the American football that we're, that most people think of when they say football. You're actually using your foot and a ball in soccer. Yeah. Why our mm-hmm. football is called football is beyond me because you only use Same. your, you only kick it once. Yeah. Typically until unless you need to do a field goal. That's the only t- other time you use a kick. It. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, sports aren't my forte either. <laughs> it's mine neither. So, I I, yeah. I worked in the gaming market for like almost ten years, so you know that's definitely not my my lingo. <laughs> anyway, the game was played by two teams with seven members each. The object of the game was to score more points than the opposing team. Hmm, just sounds like football. Pretty simple. Very yeah. simple. Until we get a little bit more into the sport. So for the history. Well, Quidditch was the first and so far only broomstick-based game to attain near-worldwide popularity amongst the Wizarding people, is certainly not the first broomstick game. In truth, Quidditch probably owed a debt to a number of forerunners in making it as successful as it became. All these archaic broom games were popular in localized areas, but none had the vast appeal that Quidditch did. The beauty of Quidditch was that it took best aspects of all its predecessors and in its own unique twist and it out up a game as it would remain popular with the masses for centuries. And with those predecessors, we are now getting going to get into them. So the main ancient Quid, uh, games that provided some inspiration of Quidditch were a game named of Stitchstock, uh, originated in Germany and consisted of a single wizard acting as a guardian or goalkeeper, trying to protect an inflatable dragon bladder. A number of other player- players mounted on broomsticks would attempt to place the bladder with the first, who successfully did so being declared the winner. The game may have been the inspiration for the Quidditch position of keeper. I think this was the game where they had the uh, sharp sticks at the end of their brooms. I believe and- so. Yes. Where they're trying to like pop it kind of a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have an Irish game uh, by the name of Angel Gin. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Required broomstick-mounted players to fly through a number of burning barrels to set... Set in the air while all the time clutching a ball with the hand. At the end of the fiery course was a goal that the ball was hurled into, and the wizard completed the course and scored a goal in the shortest time was the winner. Which obviously, this kind of goes to the fact of 
the position of chaser. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're trying to fly across a field to throw a ball into a hoop. Now, granted, you are not, you know, flying through flying, f- firing, fire on fire barrels in Quidditch, but. Yeah, the stakes just aren't as high. Yeah. Eh, I mean, I wouldn't say the stakes, stakes are stakes. as high. It's just you won't <laughs> but burst into flames as high. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the Quidditch game does have high stakes. It's fair. There's just no fire involved. No burning. There's just no fire, correct. Mm. So then we have, and pronoun- uh, this is another word I, it's hard to pronounce, uh, Krikokis... Krikokisin? Something like that, I don't know. Uh, was an exceptionally violent and often fatal game that originated in Scotland. A large number of boulders were charmed to hover the air and each player had a cauldron strapped to his or her head. A horn was sounded, the rocks were released, and the players would fly around on their broomsticks trying to catch as many rocks in the cauldron as possible. The winner of the game was caught the most rocks. This game has been outlawed for many years. This game, as noted in Quidditch Through the Ages, was thought to be the inspiration for the beater position. It reminds me of the game where people stand around with a bow and arrow and they shoot it up in the air. Whoever doesn't move is the winner. Like, the last one to run away is the winner. I mean, that is a thing. That is a legit mm-hmm. game. And uh, if you ever watched the scene, that literally just reminded me of the uh, scene in Grown Ups with Adam Sandler. It's exactly and David what Spade I was thinking that. about. Yep. They literally yep. do that in the film. <laughs> and the arrow hits uh, David Spade. Or, no, it wasn't David Spade. Mm-hmm. It was, um. oh gosh, what's his name? With a toupee for a hat or for for a hair, I can't remember his name, but it got him right in the foot. Because mm-hmm. he was all trying to be all peaceful and then like, nope, <laughs> arrow goes to the foot. <laughs> yeah, it's just as dangerous. Yeah, don't do that. Don't don't try that at home. Um, yeah. Then we have stump bunt, stunt bumps. Was a very simple form of broomstick jousting, and where one flyer attempts to knock the other off their broom. Okay, that's not too bad. And then we have a game rather like tennis on a broomstick called Swiven Hodge, uh, involved hitting an inflated pig's bladder to- uh, backward and forwards across a hedge. The game was had been the inspiration for the Quidditch position of chaser, and simply because it was. The first and only mentioned broom game involving a ball being passed, barring Quidditch itself. Mm. Which is true, because all the other games had you holding a ball, going through a hoop, or try to defend a ball going through a hoop. Or you, you know, catching rocks with a cauldron, because that's a thing. That's on your head. That's on your head, exactly. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, no thank you. So now we have the evolution of the game. So the sport of Quidditch got its name from the Quidditch March, the location of the first ever record of the game. A witch by the name of Dratai Kettle 
lived on the edge of the marsh around the year 1050 and recorded what she saw in a diary that survived to this day. Successive entries in her journal show the evolution of the game and how each element was introduced. Her first note simply recorded that her annoyance at a number of people playing a game with a ball while flying on their broomsticks above the marsh while the ball landed in her cabbage patch. She confiscated it and then hexed it the, to the men who asked for it. So, wow, that's nice. She literally just hexed. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, get off um, my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn. Here's also a hex on your ball. Try to throw it now, you jerks. <laughs> Oh, God, I do. So the second entry showed that the players did not give up, but they had made themselves a new ball that were trying to, sco- trying to score goals by throwing it through trees at the end of the marsh. This was the earliest in- incarnation of the quaffle and the scoring hoops. So they just were made a second ball, and, oh, here, we have some trees. We'll just throw it over a branch. Using nature... As our, as our area to play. Yeah. Go outside it. and play with a stick. I mean, technically yeah. they are because they're on brooms. Connecting to nature in all the good ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the third entry noted the introduction of the flying rocks that had been bewitched to knock the players off their broomsticks, which were the forerunners of the Bletchers. She also mentioned the presence of a big Scottish warlock who had been seen uh, been a Carothian player who had been showed a clear link between the two sports. That's the that's the sport where they're like catching rocks with their heads on with cauldrons. Yes. Big burly man. And then with historical records at the time being rather limited, there was no further mention of the Quidditch until the hundred years later around 1150. A letter sent from the wizard called Goodwin Keen to his Norwegian cousin Olaf survived to the time that gave gave a clear indication of how far the game had come. It had gained a name, although it was spelled Quidditch as in K-W-I-D-D-I-T-C-H at the time, and a number of organized themes as well as titles for players and equipment. From the letter, it was seen that early chases were known as Catchers, and Bludger became, uh, began its life as the Bloodier. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would want to play a game where there's something called the the Bloodier. I mean, the Bludger is not much Does better. Does it sound terrible? Oh, Bludger. Okay, that's okay. Doesn't sound terrible. Then you hear Bloodier and it's like, no. No. no, no, I don't. I don't want to deal with the bloodier. And what? What? What's a bloodier? Mm. What's a bloodier? Oh, it's an, a bewitched rock that is like going to chase you and like hunt you down to get you off your broom. No, no, thank you. I also have half a mind that it was Gertie that bewitched that rock, and then just like wrote it down with a little hee hee afterwards. That's for my cabbage. (laughs) And then Keen's letter also revealed a new uh, innovation using three barrels mounted on stilts to use as the goals. This was undoubtedly a massive improvement from using trees as the goals and is a clear predecessor to the hoops used in the modern game. Therefore, it was seen the sport of Quidditch with the K 
played uh, played by Keen, was already very similar to what Quidditch came to be. And the only missing element was the golden snitch. Mm. Which will be... I also like how Gritty made a point to complain about this game. And it's only because of her writings that it became popular. She yes, <laughs> kind of exactly. It's a bit of an irony going on Gritty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, oh, these kids are annoying. Get off my lawn and everything. And then because of her journal surviving as long as it did... The mm-hmm. sport became ever popular. Yeah. I, yeah. She should just be the founding person of it just to put the icing on the cake. Oh my Thanks God, that'd be funny. Gertie Kitty, and then just have like a little thing of cabbages next to her or something. <laughs> they'll they'll have her, just, uh, just imagine having her diary in like a historical museum where all the Quidditch stuff is and it's just like surrounded by cabbages. And then the one rock that was hexed. Yeah, and the one <laughs> rock that was hexed. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. And now now that we're seeing cabbages, the only thing that's coming to mind now is the cabbage guy from Avatar The Last Airbender. That's exactly where I was going with it, so I'm glad that you my cabbages! <laughs> I swear, okay, sidetrack for everyone. They just revealed uh, the look of characters, how they're going to look like in... The live action avatar for Netflix. It looks very good, very true to the source material. Aang looks like Aang. Katara looks like Katara. Sokka looks like Sokka. Zuko looks like Zuko. His scars on the correct side of his face this time around. Thank God. <laughs> uh, Aang, as his markings uh-huh. are physically visible and actually blue compared to the horrendous thing we don't talk about um yeah and the best and you know yes yes it doesn't exist um the -mm. best thing about it all four actors know martial arts oh so it should actually look like fighting and not some weird kind of it's actually gonna look like actual bending because if anybody Mm. watches last airbender bending is strictly just basically a form of martial arts that's yeah. all it's based on. Right. And it looks like we're probably gonna get that. Now we don't we didn't see any bending in like the teaser and like the photos stuff they showed off um during Netflix's to dumb. But it seems like it uh they did give a year. It's supposed to be coming out next year. Hmm. But anyway. We'll see. This is not the Avatar, the last Airbender lore cast. Which would be a pretty cool lore cast, but I think we might have a lore cast like that on the network. I don't know. We have so many lore there, casts. Uh, it's a tabletop game. It's a tabletop. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it's oh, been yeah, it's, it's a... been placed on hold at the moment, so unfortunately, unsure if it's going to come back or not. That's fair. But we'll see. I do have the tabletop. Yeah. It is good if for anybody wants to know. It is a fun game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. at this point, we are going to take a short mid break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right. Now that we're in the mid-break of the show, we are taught here. We talk about all of the d- things to do with the lore cast. That has nothing to do with the lore. So I just want to remind everyone, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardworldlorecast to where you can join um, to get ad-free episodes. You can even join us once a month on this episode if you go to our $20 tier. Uh, you can also relieve reviews and stars on Spotify and Apple. If you leave a five-star review on Apple, we read it next out loud next time on the show. As well, if you leave a nice comment, on Spotify, and that's episode-based, uh, we will read that out loud on the next time on the show as well. Uh, we don't have any this week, but uh, also you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net to where you can find this show. We have a channel for this in the server, as well as my other show, Holocron Histories, with my co-host Austin, or the other uh, different shows on the network, such as the... Um, Witcher, Mass Effect, Elder Scrolls, Dragon Age, Assassin's Creed, uh, the new, well, it's not new, it's been out for two years, but the Starfield lore cast, which is getting a little bit more episodes, since Starfield is coming out, and the only reason I was reminded of that is because Courier's profile picture right now is Starfield's <laughs> logo. So, oh, yeah. so if you want to learn more of all those games on all the different shows on that, just go to robotsradio.net and go to the Discord. There's so, so many shows on the network and so, so many cool people to meet and talk to. And Yes, it, great community. Oh, yes. Great a community oh, yes. to where... I was able to commission awesome art for my Twitch logo. So if you want to see us on Twitch, uh, you can find us at Twitch at slash Ben of Tamaria to where we live stream this epi- these episodes every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Pacific. And on my on that Twitch channel is my new art where I am a witcher with a lightsaber. Which is epic. I thought about having him put a wand in there, but it, I I didn't think it wouldn't fit with being a witcher. But anyway, a lightsaber. It's a blue lightsaber with the witcher, wolf medallion, and everything. I look awesome. It is very very cool. They did a wonderful job. Yes. Uh, Shout out to uh, Death Delay. He is an amazing artist. Go look at his art on the Robots Raiders Discord. It's great. But um, I think that's all I have for the midbreak. Do you guys have anything else to add? Nope. All right. Well, let's get right back into it. All right. Now that we're back from the midbreak, the last thing we talked about was the game not 
having the missing element of the golden snitch. Well, now we're getting into the golden snitch. Mm-hmm. So, the history of the snitch was perhaps the most interesting of the Quidditch balls, and the introduction came into a direct result of a game played in 1269 in Kent. This was over a century on from the Godwin Keane letter to the to his cousin, and it seems that during this time the game was acquired a great deal of popularity and organization, and had altered in its format very little. It was, however, now routinely attended by large crowds of people who wanted to watch the game. So this is when you know, big, much like, kind of like how stadium style people are going wanting to go watch these games now. So, in 1269, uh, the 1269 game mentioned above was attended by Barnabas Bragg, the chief of the Wizards Council, and as a, as a nod to the sport of the snidget hunting, which was also popular in the, during the time, Bragg brought such a bird to the game and released it uh, from its cage. He told the players that 150 galleons, a large sum of money, particularly in those times, would be awarded to the player who caught the bird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You see where this is kind of going with 150? Yeah. I wonder. I always wondered why it was that much. And then this was easier said than done. The snitchet was very fast, very small, and could make sudden changes in direction at high speeds. The considerable challenge posed by the flight patterns of the bird was made a snitchet hunting so popular in the first place. And then what happened to Quidditch? at the Quidditch game and the question was rather predictable the players totally ignored the game and each every one of them simply went off in pursuit of the snidget which kept within the arena by the crowd using repelling charms so the snidget couldn't even escape because everybody's using repelling charms to keep the bird inside the arena mm-hmm. yeah which I feel so bad for the bird absolutely and then yeah. uh, a witch named Modesty Rabnot, who was also watching the game, took pity on the snidget and rescued it with the summoning charm before rushing away and hidden inside a robe. She was caught by a furious brag and fined 10 gallons for disrupting the game, but not before she had released the snidget. This saved the life of the bird, but the connection with Quidditch had been made, and soon a snidget was being released at every game. From then... She's a true Samaritan. Yes true samaritan and then from then each team had an extra player originally called the hunter later the seeker whose soul's job was to catch and kill the snitch snidget for for which 150 points were awarded in the memory of the 150 gallons offered by bragg in the original game See, Why did you have to kill it? Why that's you what just I'm saying. It? That's what and the whole see, point from the beginning was, was just to catch it. And see, this is where uh, if you play Hogwarts Legacy and do Poppy's side quests, you'll understand some of the things that are about to happen. So the vast pop popularity of the sport led to a quickly declining snitchet number. In the middle of the 14th century, it was made a protected species by the Wizards Council, now headed by... Elf Dia Clag. This meant that the bird could no longer be used for Quidditch purposes, and in, indeed, the Monastery Rabnot Snidget Res- Res- Reservation was created in Somerset to safeguard the Snidget's future survival. So, good. 
obviously because of the sport, it also basically almost wiped out an entire species of magical beasts, which is a big, big, big no-no. And we see and hear mentions of this in Hogwarts Legacy if you pl- uh, play the game. If you do Poppy side quests, you specifically go and try to find a Snidget and to protect it from poachers. And you do find it. And it's really cool to see on screen. And so the game of Quidditch, however, could not continue without a substitute. So this is where they had to get very creative. Mm -hmm. So while most people looked for a uh, suitable alternative bird to chase, a metal charmer called Bowman Wright from Godric's Hollow... Hmm. Why cool. is there so many famous wizards and witches from Godric's Hollow? It's, it's in um, the water. It's in. The, it's in. The, oh yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not even a wizards community. Mm-mm. It's a Muggle town. Just you know, happened to be where Godric Gryffindor lived. But um, he had a different idea. He invented a fake snidget, which he called the Golden Snitch. His invention was pretty pretty much uh, what was seen on the modern Quidditch pitch. A golden ball with silver wings, the same size and weight as the real Snidget, bewitched to accurately follow its flight patterns. An additional benefit was that the ball was also charmed to stay within the playing area, removing the need to the uh, continual use of the repelling charms by the crowd. Which is good, because if I was in the crowd and constantly have to, like, you know, cast a repelling charm every single time I would get very frustrated and annoyed. Yeah, you yeah. think that it wouldn't it would take away from the game for the fans like Oh yeah, completely. the fact that it stayed for so long, that's that's a lot. That's a lot oh, of work. Yeah. And so the snitch was approved by as a snitch substitute. The game of Quidditch could continue and the modern sport as we know it was complete. All the balls used in the modern game was now present. Organized teams played against each other and the vast number of people came to watch. While this may sound exactly like the sport we came to be, there were still few modifi- modifications to be made in the terms of the playing pitch, and this continued to evolve until 1883 when the format of the modern Quidditch pitch was finalized. So the game started in 1050. They didn't finalize the entire game to what we see in the films until 1883, which is 101 years, or 100 and. Yeah, 101 years before Harry attends Hogwarts. It literally a century before Harry attends Hogwarts. Quidditch was finally complete after almost over 800 years. That's quite the evolution for it, too. That's a long evolution. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, compared to that, like, with, you know, American football started in the, what, I want to say the 1880s. I, I don't know sports, so I could be completely wrong. And, I mean... We, we probably wasn't refined up until like 1950s, 1980s. I don't, I like, I, like, I know, I don't know sports. If you know, correct me if I'm wrong. And I know I'm wrong. So <laughs> please correct me. 
Uh, the point is, I don't think any sport's taken about eight, over 800 years to exactly. completely finalize. Exactly. So, uh, you know. So, with that being said, with the sport, you know, being complete in, you know, 1883, we have now the match overview. So, there were seven players on a Quidditch team, three chases, three chasers, two beaters, one keeper, and one seeker. The game was played with four balls, a quaffle, two bludgers, and a golden snitch. Which, we, if you watch and read Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, you get all this from uh, Wood, who is the Quidditch captain at the time during Harry's first school year at Hogwarts. He explained it all to Harry because he was chosen as Seeker. So, so the Chasers handle the Quaffle and earn points by losing, uh, tossing it through any one of three goalposts on the opposing team's side of the field. Each goal was worth 10 points. The Keeper guarded the goalposts in an f- effort to prevent any opposing team Chasers from scoring. The Seeker tried to catch the Golden Snitch before opposing team Sneaker could. The golden snitch flew very fast and was very difficult to see. When and only when the snitch was caught did the game end, and the seeker who caught the snitch earned 150 points for their team. Meaning, you know, 150 galleons. Now, if that was still a thing, that'd be awesome. Win 150 galleons per game? Heck yeah. I'm sure the professionals... Oh, they made way more than that. (laughs) I guarantee you they made way more than 150 galleons. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the economy rate with in the Western world compared to Muggle. So, mm-hmm. so the two bludgers were highly aggressive balls that flew through the air and tried to knock the players off their broomsticks. The two beaters each used a bat to hit the bludger in an effort to keep them away from their own teammates, as well as send the bludgers towards the members of the opposing teams. Or, you know, try to hit them in the head and knock them out. Not just that's where the rocks and the cauldrons come (laughs) from. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) So the game started with the referee releasing all four balls from the central circle of the field. The bludger and the snitch were bewitched to fly off their own cord, but the quaffle was thrown into the into the air by the referee to signal the start of the game. This is similar how games of basketball and Gaelic football, popular muggle sports, began by the referee throwing the ball into the air. After a goal was scored, an opposing team's keeper would throw the quaffle back to the play. Teams continue using the same goal post to score throughout the game. So, compared to Ameri- like American football, the field switch after halftime. Or no, they don't switch. The opposing team, whoever started with the ball the start of the game the other team gets the other gets the ball but Quidditch doesn't have halftime doesn't have breaks or anything like that you will play until basketball I think it's basketball that you switch probably possibly I think it's basketball it's about uh, maybe I don't know it's a sport um anyway it has a ball balls it has balls and as a sport that's all Mm -hmm. I remember um (laughs) So, but yeah, um, but yeah, Quidditch doesn't have halftime or breaks or anything like that. So you can play and play and play. 
and you don't end the game till the snitch is caught so you can go and play for days if you have a really bad seeker <laughs> and that's two that teams that and that's two teams if they have really bad seekers yeah or the arena is mm. too big one of the two yeah. Like a Quidditch World Cup, one of the Quidditch World Cups was like lasted like an entire week, because uh, the, because there if you watch like Goblet of Fire, the Quidditch World Cup arena is massive. Yeah, it was a huge arena. Is that's for sure massive and deep, so mm-hmm. I expect that to happen. But, uh, so the game only ended when the Golden Snitch was caught, or if the captains of both teams had managed to reach an agreement. Some games could go on for many days if the Snitch was not caught. The record of the longest game, according to Quidditch Through Ages, was six months. Although no one caught the Snitch. Oh my god. <laughs> no, uh, thank you. Playing for six months six straight? Months. No. I mean, obviously they had to take breaks for all that, but it's like... No, no, thank Obviously, you. Do they like rotate between people? Like they'd have to have more than seven members, or they just like take an eight-hour break? I think they just took breaks. Uh, since the lengths of the Quidditch games were variable, some games could go on for days if the Golden Snitch was not caught. The game was not played in periods, although the captains could call for a timeout. Okay, so they do timeouts, but they there's that was it. <laughs> that was the only break they could do. Mm-hmm. You can you get ten minutes power nap. <laughs> get back on your broom and go. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So the winner of the game was the team with the most points, regardless of who caught the golden snitch. Catching the golden snitch was worth 150 points to the team whose seeker made the catch, but this did not necessarily mean they could win, as the other team could still have more points after the snitch was caught. Um, an example would if the other team had at least 160 more points than the snitch was caught, and then as a result, it was possible, although difficult, to win the game. Even though the difficult opposing team caught the snitch, as was the case of the final match between Ireland and Bulgaria in the 1994 Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, that's the one that we do see in the Goblet of Fire. In yes. The yeah, we see mm-hmm. the. Like, uh, we hear talk about it, like in the books and in the film, that, hey, we're at the Quidditch World Cup. We get to talk about it a little bit. And then it skips after the game. So we don't get all the commentary in the game or not because. Assuming it's long. Yeah. And the snitch was bewitched to respond to the first witch or wizard to make contact with it in case if there was any dispute regarding which seeker touched it first. Despite this, there has been several instances in which the snitch had been fumbled. Hmm. That's interesting, having a fumble for the snitch. Yeah, like slipping through your fingers or something? I guess. Like grazes your hand? could just be hairy and just catch it with your mouth. It's the only way to do it. I mean, just make sure you don't swallow it. Ingest it. <laughs> Become one with the snitch. And then it was never explained to what happened in the event of a tie. So if there was a tie, they kind of have to like, okay, I guess we go play again. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's what I assume. But who knows? I sure don't. But 
that is what we have for part one of Quidditch. Part two will get a little bit more in-depth with the game, like rules, positions, tactics, uh, equipment, and stuff like that. And also, like, some of the modern day stuff as well for part two for next week. Sweet. I'm excited to learn the rules more. Yes, and it's very, surprisingly, it's very, it has a lot of rules that we will know of in, like, certain sports that we have today, which is kind of interesting. Um, but is there anything you guys want to add to the episode before we uh, come back next week? Nope. I think I'm just excited to hear about the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Well, everyone, we will see everybody next week. Uh, and then remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Thank you for listening to Wizarding World Warcast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast, and you can email us at wizardandworldlorecast at gmail.com.